welcome to the Total Clarity Podcast. I'm Jesse Hyatt. And I'm Mike Varley, and this is week 49 of our 52-week walk around New York City. And this week, we were in the first week of our special walks, which are the final four walks of the entire project where we touch multiple boroughs in each one. That's right. And this week's walk centered around the movie 25th Hour by Spike Lee with Ed Norton and Philip Seymour Hoffman and Barry Pepper, Anna Paquin, Rosario Dawson, Brian Cox, lots of stars in this one. And it is about or set in New York City. Mm -hmm. And as you will find with our interview this week, our first interview in uh, six weeks or so. Yeah. And our first interview ever actually in the room that we set up specifically for interviews. That's right. We'll talk about that in a minute with our guest, James Morrison. James is an extremely talented filmmaker, editor, and it was a pleasure to get a chance to talk with him. He's also been super into film podcasts, so he made for a great guest. Yeah, and I mean, we literally just recorded it and then, you know, walked James out and onto the street and came back up here and are recording this. And it was great. I feel energized from the conversation. We had a nice flow. We really like went in a bunch of different directions. So if you've seen the movie, I think dive right in. If you haven't seen it, be aware there's some spoilers. Um, If you're up for that, that's fine. And if not, you know, you've been warned here. Don't come after us. That's right. It's also a 20, almost 20 year old movie. So like our spoilers a thing what I don't know whatever yeah so we based our route this week on uh, the scenes that are called out in one particular aspect of the film we'll mm-hmm. talk about that in a minute with yes. James and yeah we hope you enjoy this talk about 25th hour yeah. now I'm thinking this room kind of reminds me of speaking of movie stuff it's a little bit like the uh, um, the Twin Peaks room oh yeah except oh, instead yeah. of red we're in you know Kind of beigey gold. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And we, my wife tells me I'm colorblind, so you guys could be like, "These are green." And I'd be like, "No, it's oh, gold." Mm-hmm. Okay, it's yeah. gold. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That favorite that gum you like is coming back in style. Whoa! <laughs> 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 I start speaking backwards. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, birds th- are singing. yeah, thank you so much for yeah, being. Man. You are the first guest in this room. Yeah. So and our first post-pandemic. Well, we're still very much in the pandemic, yes. let's be clear. But post-vaccinated uh, That's right. for the people in this We room. three vaccinated yes. gathered here good. today. It yeah. feels really good yeah. to be sitting with people. I've had ma- major Zoom burnout. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, and I don't even, you know, I like, my wife would be like, what are you talking about? She's the one Zooming. But watching her Zoom <laughs> for meetings <laughs> makes me burnt out on Zoom yeah. and all interactions online. Yeah. I just don't ever want to, like, yeah, I just, yeah. I'm never on it, but, like, the three times I've had to do work on Zoom this whole year, like, is enough to burn me out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice to be in person. (laughs) I always feel like it's draining, and I never feel like, I mean, if, you know, hanging out with people in person is, like, I mean, it can be draining, but hopefully this won't be draining. But (laughs) I I feel like hanging out in person is, like, I always feel good, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But sometimes even talking on the phone can be a little bit like, oh, like, when you get off, you're like, I don't know. So, yeah, it's really cool to be in person with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And this is our third movie podcast episode, our third and final. We did one uh, out in Queens. We're Queens movie locations. Mm -hmm. We covered uh, Goodfellas and Coming to America and uh, And Men Men in in Black. Black. Uh, So that was cool. And then we did... 
Where was the second? The movie? Royal Tenenbaums. That's right. We did a, a locations for the Royal Tenenbaums. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, and then this and then one. This, one. Uh, this is the one I would have wanted to do. I'm glad you guys good, asked me for this. Good. Good. Yeah. We this must have known. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Something yeah. was in the air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we're doing uh, the Spike Lee's movie Twenty Fifth Hour, and the root itself is based on one small section of the film, but we'll talk about the whole film because it's a great film to talk yeah. about. And that is the "fuck you" scene from the Spike Lee movie, which I don't know. Do you, would you call that a montage? Like I, I, I don't know if the 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 language escapes me for what exactly that is. I mean, cause... we've been calling it a monologue. It's definitely, Which is a, definitely monologue. a monologue, but yeah, I guess the like the clips of it's not showing like a progression, but yeah. it is like clips. Yeah, it feels montagey to me just because it's jumping around a lot. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's the one. It's a it's a part of that movie that everyone remembers now. And it's almost. I was thinking about it when I was rewatching it. It's almost twenty years old. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that's a weird feeling, right? When you're like, you know getting to a point where you're like, I mean, because I, I remember seeing this in the theater. And so it's really, you know, weird for me to do the math and be like, because things don't feel that long ago to mm -hmm. me. That feels like five years ago. Right. Know? And even when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh my God, Edward Norton looks so young. And I was also like, what happened to Edward Norton? Where's Edward Norton? Where's he been? <laughs> you know, I know he pops up in- um, Yeah, where has he been? He's popped up in Wes Anderson's movies. Oh, yeah. cool. In those little little bits and pieces. And I know he, he I, I did get to listen to that interview. And yeah, there's a lot of interesting nuggets from that interview, but go on. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to the interview with him and Spike Lee and uh, it's he talks in that interview, which was like 2003, about how he's adapting Motherless Brooklyn. Right. Which came out like two years ago. Two yeah. Oh, 2019. Okay. Oh, yeah. wow. So he's been working on that well, for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Which so this, this is a Charlie Rose interview we're referring to. We'll add it in the description to the video for those watching. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, the, it's such a sharp contrast and I mean you'll know this as as well as anybody you know the idea of like development and like how long it potentially takes that the 25th hour movie developed in I mean a year less than a year basically hours yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah I mean the movie was shot in six weeks but even you know even getting to the start start point was a matter of months which wow. is pretty unheard of mm -hmm. and uh, and then yeah I mean Edward Norton in the in the uh, interview references I'm gonna start writing this this passion project of mine called yeah. Motherless Brooklyn in 2003. Oh it's Spike Lee was like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 16 years later. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Um, but it's in me. I mean, it's actually kind of impressive that someone can have 16 years worth of drive to get something done. Yeah. In them, too. Like, I would give up. I would not. I would be like, by year three, I'd be like, okay, it's not going to happen. I don't know. I mean, do you have any, in your head, do you have things that you've had for a while that you're like, one day? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I actually find it really inspiring when I hear, like, things taking forever. Because yeah. then I'm like, it's kind of like other people who are famous all of a sudden seem human. No. And, like, you're like, yeah, it's just hard to get anything done. Um, especially a movie when you have to get people together and, yeah. and, and money and then, you know. So I, I actually kind of am always inspired. Like, I, I'm glad when the movies happen. I wanted the movies to get made, but it's like when somebody talks about their hardships, I think I think anybody who's a filmmaker or maybe struggling filmmakers, and maybe all filmmakers are struggling filmmakers, but when you hear about, like, you know, Orson Welles and all these, like, people having problems or, right. you know, it, it's just, like, instantly for me, you feel um, you're like, well, maybe I'm doing something right because I'm also having a hard time mm. yeah. know, getting stuff made. But... Um, 
But yeah, I think yeah, almost everything, even the, the the things that I have gotten to make, like they took so much longer than I ever would have thought they would have. Even yeah. if you were like, I have a movie, it's all one shot. It's just a dog. He walks on the street. It takes like a year. Right. You're like, yeah, Who's yeah. dog? Yeah, what yeah. street? You can't film on that street. Yeah. I don't have a camera. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just like right. so many things that make it hard. Yeah. But yeah. There's a great Orson Welles story that I'm going to butcher um, where he talks about Winston Churchill helping him get a project funded by like a, a Russian oligarch. Like, wow. uh, and uh, again, I'll butcher it, but you should check it out where like he uh, he was just he was whining and dining some financier. And uh, I guess he had done some sort of benefit back in the World War Two days and had met Winston Churchill like on a dais, like, you know, very passing. Yeah. And uh, and then Churchill had come up to their table and just like did some small talk or something and then went away and the financier was like blown away. Yeah. And they were like, I think they were like in Greece or something. I'm going to just continually butcher this even further. But they were like vacation in a vacation area somewhere. And so the next day, Wells saw Churchill like out swimming and was like, hey, I, I really got to thank you. You know, you you helped get this you know picture like you really goosed this guy here. Mm -hmm. And Churchill's like, oh, OK. And then they saw each other uh, another time. Again, the financier, Orson Welles, and Churchill sees him. And when he sees him, he comes over and then salutes Welles and then what? like walks away. And it was wow. like just to like really like seal the, the yeah, deal for the situation. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, um, that's, awesome. that's probably that's about 80% of what actually happened. But I, I, would, I mean, also Orson Welles has such an amazing command of language mm. as well. Just to hear him tell stories is uh, incredible. So, oh, yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, so you 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 watch that interview. I mean, there's yeah. there's a bunch of nuggets in there that were really I was excited to talk about. I don't think I told I you this. Oh yeah, and yeah. I didn't watch the interview, but you yeah. told me about it. Yeah. But uh, the so this this fuck New York section of the movie, which we can also include in the description, so people can if they just want to watch that. But yeah, you should probably watch the entire movie too because it's very good. It's a great movie. Uh, it's a great movie. But <laughs> that uh, that section talk about development, was initially developed out. It was in the book that oh, was written. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then it, uh, Spike Lee read the book after getting the script yeah. and was like, why contacted the author, who David Benioff uh, of Game of Thrones, um, he was like, why is this got taken out? And he was like, oh, because they, they, you know, it was said that it shouldn't be in there. Oh. And Spike Lee was like, no, no, no. We're that putting that in back in. Spike Lee was like, I need more fuck yous in this. Yeah. yeah. Is <laughs> yeah. that why they took it out? Because they were like, it's too cursing? There's too much cursing? I mean, it's pretty like, it could also just be that like, it's it's kind of like abrasive. You know what oh, I mean? totally. Well, I guess it's, it's incredibly got, like, abrasive. very sort of like, um, I was kind of actually struck by it all these years later watching it now. Yeah. I was like, ooh, this is like kind of playing with fire for totally. sure. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, actually, yeah. sorry. Go, no, 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 go ahead. Recommending to people to only watch that part of it, I actually think is a really bad idea <laughs> because it's like so not okay. Like that, like it's the least like In contemporary times PC particularly. Yeah. okay part of the movie. And like, I feel like without having the full character development to like understand what he's talking about and like who, why he's referencing all of this, like, I don't know. I agree that watching it like out of context right now, if you didn't see that movie, you might be like, oh, fuck this scene, you know? Yeah. Right? And, and I think that, not to jump ahead too far into the movie, but I'd forgotten how the movie, where it goes to in the end, which yeah. really made me feel like, it's that thing that happens where, you know, 
if you don't, if you only read the, the piece of a book or see the part of the movie and you don't get the whole thing, you suddenly feel like, oh, it was, they weren't just doing it to be, you know, aggressive. To be, yeah, right. Uh, there's just the, the way it kind of comes back a little bit, which we can talk about when we get to the end if you guys want. But yeah, yeah. Sure. I think that that reframed it. Even 20 years later, however many years later it's been, I was sort of like, oh, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. likely. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's not, you know. Well, and that right. reframing is interesting because according to the interview was a... Um, and Ed Norton contribution. But, you know, Norton also, I think it was a great, it was a great uh, merging of several things. It was uh, Spike Lee's skill and background as a director merging with Norton's cinematic background from American History X Mm. as, you know, an ex-skinhead. And then, uh, like, taking the two of those things uh, and... And also like that the way that it's filmed, where it's the mirror talking to him, mm-hmm. it's like yeah. a little indirectly not him, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I think where it like really a like when he starts like saying like, you know, fuck Jesus too, you know, like he got off easy, three right. days in hell, and then all the angels praising his name right. for the rest of his like that's when it's like it goes to this other gear and then he starts blaming all of his family members. Like it's yeah. you know, it's not just and I guess we're talking around it, it's like he is taking every individual neighborhood and not every but like lots of different neighborhoods like Bensonhurst, Harlem, mm-hmm. Upper East Side and like all the uh, the worst people. versions of stereotypes that mm-hmm. live there and just saying fuck you and uh, and yeah and then to like take it like to the absurd of like fuck Osama bin Laden, yeah. fuck Jesus, fuck yeah. all my friends, fuck yeah. this entire city, you know, and then ultimately yeah. Monty Brogan, uh, Ed, Edward Norton's character, you know Telling the mayor, no, fuck you. Yeah. You, you threw it all away, you know? And again, like, if you watched it just by itself, I mean, it, it, just backing up and being like, it's a movie about a guy who's kind of doomed himself and is about to go to prison. Right. It totally makes sense that he'd say that to everybody and feel that because sure. he's saying it to himself, you yeah. know? And it's like, um, yeah, it's, I think the more I think about it, the more I appreciate it i was sort of shocked by it this time like yeah. years later i was a little bit like because i remember when it came out that scene i know that scenes i don't know if iconic is the right word but it's i think it's i mean it's something that people still remember and uh sure it's funny i mean this is a total tangent but it reminds me now that we're talking about it of one of my favorite movies of all time um synecdoche new york oh sure has a scene where they have like a preacher at a funeral he's like anyway i'm not going to set it up well because that movie's like so many things within this yeah. but do you know the scene where he's like um diane weist takes over as the director mm-hmm. yeah and then she like whispers something into this guy's ear and he's going to give like a speech at a funeral and the the actor who's playing this priest starts giving this sort of like uh eulogy or this thing about just like sometimes you don't know like where your life's going and so, you know and, and who even cares where my, my life is going it, and i'm paraphrasing it terribly but the end i i know and it's very much like this movie but he's like maybe no one cares about my sadness well you know what fuck everyone <laughs> like, then it starts raining and yeah, um, yeah yeah and in a weird way it's like i feel like the 25th hour in this scene that we're talking about kind of it does get to that sort of big absurd level toward the end yeah right, where yeah. you're just sort of like this guy hates himself so much in this moment he hates everyone around him and so yeah it's an abrasive scene but i think it's also true to like what he's going through as a person and i think uh yeah i don't 
it's 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 a complicated part of the movie that yeah. I think like people might now really not want to do or or would throw out or be you know only maybe see the abrasiveness but right um, but I think even I mean this is the first time I saw it actually I had never seen it when it had first come out and then when we knew it was planned I waited until this week to watch mm-hmm. it and I was definitely like shocked and like uncomfortable but i do think that him at the end being like no fuck you and like to himself you know and the fact that it was just like it felt like character development it didn't feel like we're saying that these stereotypes are accurate it felt like character development and it also felt like 2002 like Mm -hmm. you know especially you know when he calls out fuck osama bin laden like Mm. nobody's talking about Osama bin Laden anymore but like in this movie there's all these references to September 11th and you've already seen them a couple times so you know like what place and time you're in yeah, yeah. and I feel like yeah even watching it now I'm like okay this isn't like a contemporary movie I'm not watching something that was made yesterday I'm watching something that was made in 2002 and this is like this character in 2002 yeah Totally. Which is a fairly uh, decent segue to talking <laughs> about your first experience of the film. You kind of gave a little bit of a taste, but I didn't, I didn't yeah. want to know well, until... Well, you emailed me about it. So I saw this movie in theaters. Yeah. And I remember it vividly because my best friend from all time growing up, Nathan Marquise, he and I were both in high school. He's like a year older than me. So he mm-hmm. might have been a junior. I might have been a sophomore or somewhere in there. So I might have like had to sneak into this movie because I think it's an R. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we saw everything. Like we would go to the movie theater like every week, every other week. And I, we both thought Edward Norton was like the greatest like person on earth around this time. Like 2002 to like, you know, young like Catholic high kids, yeah. like Catholic right. high school kids. Like totally. we thought he was like, like um, I don't even know if we thought he was like De Niro. I think he, we thought he was really unique. And my friend Nathan is an actor, and I, I already knew I wanted to be a filmmaker. And, you know, he, he had such a good string of movies going into this. Like, you know, and, and, and this felt sort of like, you know, he's like top build, like kind of movie star thing where it's mm-hmm. like it's, it's almost strange to think now about like if Edward Norton would carry or sell a movie the way that he, you know, now that he did then where then it was like, I mean, this would be like. I don't want to compare him to like DiCaprio or somebody, but he was—I feel like he was big. He was really yeah, big. he was a big deal. Well, so, Fight Club had already come out, right? Fight Club had come out, which was like, yeah, such an iconic and yeah. big movie, and everyone, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you were like a young guy, you were like, right. you know. Um, and I actually—I've listened to a couple things recently about Fight Club and how like people thinking it has it hasn't aged well, but then people arguing that people are misreading it, that it's a satire, and that's a whole other oh. thing. But I think I think Edward Norton's great in that movie, and. Anyway, uh, I I just remember we went to this movie theater, like I feel like it was opening night, and we just felt like we were so cool. We were like seeing a Spike Lee movie. <laughs> I'd probably seen like a couple Spike Lee movies before this. Like we knew like he was like up there with like the greats. Right. right. And I just remember the movie starting and and the, and the opening titles with the the lights from September 11th. Right. Which which we were just talking about. Yeah. yeah. Go, go on, but could you tell your? So I just remember being like, it was just. So it had just happened. Yeah. And it felt so uncomfortable yeah. to see that being presented in a movie so quickly. Yeah. Um, and, the you know, just to sort of fast forward, my friend Nathan, I don't remember it super well. I 
probably like 16, 15 years old. But I remember my my friend Nathan crying in this movie mm. and being unbelievably moved by it. Yeah. And to this day, I think he still talks about it. Like it's, yeah. it's a really important movie for him. Um, and I almost remember his reaction to it more than the movie. Oh, yeah. interesting. You know, and so like when you guys told me you were doing this, I was like, I can't wait to rewatch this because yeah. I hadn't seen it since 2002. Yeah. And I remember thinking like at that time, I was like, I think I loved it. But I mostly remember just being moved by how much my friend connected wow. to this movie. Mm. Um, I remember Norton being a big deal to me then. And so, yeah. So I think I'm getting all the things in this story I wanted to tell you. And you were, you had not moved to New York at that point. I had moved to New York and I never yeah. thought, yeah, New York wasn't even on my radar places I wanted to go. It. I was yeah. always like, Los Angeles, Hollywood. Right. You know, I right. thought that like, you just went out there and it was like, they were making movies everywhere and people were really cool or something. Were you yeah. in Texas at that point? No, I was in, in Little Rock. Oh, okay. Uh, I have family in Texas. I have family all gotcha. over. But I, was, okay. I grew up in, in Little Rock mostly. And oh. so, um, yeah, it was just like... So, I, yeah, New York was like not... You weren't it was close, just yeah. something that I didn't associate like movie making with. Gotcha. I associated New York with like just a big city. Sure. And like, you know, commerce and sort of just like the hustle bustle. But I didn't think of it as a filmmaking city. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think I was really wrong. It took took me coming here to realize that I, you know, I had it, I had had it messed up in my head. I think I thought I wanted to go to Los Angeles, and when I went there, I was sort of like, "Whoa, wait a second, this isn't what I was looking for." <laughs> Not great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just love that memory of my friend crying in this movie, and he still talks about how like I think he's probably seen it since, and he he finds it to be just really important movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there. I want to touch on that at some point, but because uh, I. I think I might have an idea why, even though yeah. I don't know your friend. No, yeah, but the yeah. uh, I, I want to go back to the intro with the September 11th yeah. lights because uh, I I hadn't even really put it together. I mean, it's super powerful. Um, but Jesse, you know, brought up the idea that, or we started talking about it together. The idea of New York as a credit roll intro thing, mm-hmm. or just or just like the idea of flyovers of cities. But mm-hmm. New York in particular, that's like a big thing. Yeah. I mean, I can think of, the, when I think of the 80s, I think like almost every movie shot in New York is like, we'll start by flying over the city. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Look at these buildings. It's, the always, it's always yeah. this skyline shot. Yeah. And I said to Mike um, yesterday, I was like, you know, I think that, I wonder if this movie is the only movie that captures that particular skyline. Mm. Because that's all, that skyline itself was only a, 10 years or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, you know, without any tower there at all. Yeah. And, but specifically that skyline without the towers and with the lights, like, mm-hmm. and I don't remember completely, but I think they had the lights going for a year mm-hmm. after September 11th, and now they just do it for the month of September. Right. But yeah, like I've seen movies since the new One World Trade Center has been built, and they show that skyline. Right. And obviously, we've all seen movies pre 2001 where you see the twin towers, but like that specific skyline, like. This might be the only movie that captures that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Like that's an, a, a like very specific moment in time that's so powerful. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just the new tower now. It's just like looking at the skyline in general. It's like, oh my god, it's so much more crowded now. Mm-hmm. Just in, just in, we're saying twenty years, but it's really more like what nineteen? Is it twenty years? This movie? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it came out. I think it came out like the first month of. 20 or 2003 something like that I mean, it was they, they were talking oh, about it being like oscar okay. season 2003 okay. or something. so it was filmed in 2002 so yeah i mean okay we're getting there yeah wow. um, but yeah I, I thought it was really cool and i don't know if like there in the making of the film like that there was any accounting to 
to do the intro that way. It's like mm -hmm. kind of a, a callback or just like a, a reference to that being such like a, a cinematic trope, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but also how powerful it is at that time to like see yeah. what that is or not. But yeah, it's, it was a, it was a great start to do the you, film. Do you remember the first time you saw it? Like, did you see it for the first time for this? I honestly, no, no, I, 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 had it on DVD yeah. for a while. I, it turns out I didn't have it on DVD. Uh, I must have got lost at some point, yeah. uh, but uh, we, we watched it on streaming. Uh, but no, I, ca I can't recall. I would expect it was on DVD and not on uh, in theaters, but I don't know for certain. Yeah. All I just know that I've always, since the first time I saw it, I, I'd always, it resonated with me as a very good film for yeah. me. But you would have been like a teenager. You yeah, yeah, we were it? the same yeah, age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, uh, I was either, I mean, in 2002, I would have been a, a freshman in college or, yeah, I think, or like a, or depending, yeah, so I would have been a freshman in college probably. I just bring that up because on this revisit, I did find myself thinking like, oh, this is a very young man's movie, mm. like very much, on, and, and to ways where I feel like I have some problems with this movie years later, not for any of the things we've talked about yet, but the yeah. energy of it feels very like, what a young guy who likes like acting and like yeah, yeah. I, I, like it feels very much like that it has that energy in yeah. a way that's mm. kind of you know and i think that was kind of where i wanted to go with your friend uh, mm. resonating with your friend a lot so i was trying to figure out how to frame this in the way that makes the most sense but basically we could start by saying you know most films the the history of cinema pretty much to this point with the exception of maybe the past half dozen years, you know, the default filmic perspective is the male perspective, right? You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter if it's uh, uh, romance or action or whatever, like right. everything is kind of coming from like the default is the male perspective. Right. That said, this particular film, I think, is more of a, like a man emotional film than a lot of films typically are, which mm -hmm. is to say that it's men talking about mm -hmm. um, emotional issues slash this is how men interact around the topic of emotions, I mm -hmm. guess, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think perhaps that is why your friend, it resonated with your friend because that's not necessarily something we see a lot of anyway. Even though most films are from the male perspective, it like the the emotions are generally sliced out of it in mm -hmm. order to like advance the plot, you know? Sure. Um, and so, yeah, it was cool. I mean, also like there are, f I could I w I'd probably go back and count uh, the minutes and it'd probably be less than five when there's more than uh, two characters interacting on screen. You know, the film constantly is uh, creating situations where somebody's going to the bathroom or somebody's doing something else mm -hmm. in order to have these smaller conversations, mm -hmm. which allows for, uh, I guess, more of that male emotional energy mm -hmm. to be go back and forth with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it does have some. Um, well, what are, what are some of the issues that, you you know, in. 20 years later, what are some of the things that you're seeing? Maybe issues isn't the right word, but you know, like what are you, what are you seeing here that's like, this is not where I was 20 mm. years ago? Okay, so I watched this movie in two chunks, which I normally don't like to do. I normally right. would want to see it, you know, like ideally, like if you're playing it film form or something, you'd see the whole thing, right. you know. But I had to break it up into like, I watched the first hour on like, you know, Monday and the second hour on mm -hmm. Tuesday. And I really struggled with the first hour of this movie. Mm. I struggled with it to the point where I was like, 
I might have to call you and be like, I don't know if you want to talk to me about this. Like, oh, I'm, wow. Wow. I'm really like, Juicy. I'm really wrestling with like, as a piece of filmmaking, like I'm just despising this movie. Oh, really? But well, the, the, to answer why, I felt like, you know how like sometimes somebody's doing like a card trick and it's like they're, they're it's not that you know how they're doing it, mm. but they're just like pouring on so much like sauce to their their showmanship that you're right. like, I don't even care anymore. Just like leave me alone. <laughs> I felt like that this movie, the way that it with the editing, it's the music mostly. The music, mm. okay. The music, like I love the I, and, and this is tricky because like I love I love like the the main theme that plays. Yeah, I think it has this very kind of like old fashioned score. Yeah, in yeah. A way, but there's so much music on this movie when yeah. I feel like. I have no idea why. Um, I actually, the, the thing that I think kind of rubs me wrong about it is I think them trying to bring up 9-11, the way that they do feels very sort of just like this happened. And I feel like there's just this kind of, uh, I don't, I don't, it just feels sort of like shoot, shoot in um, interesting to me. That's so interesting because we actually talked about that too. And like, I feel the opposite where I feel like this is showing that it was made a year later, Mm -hmm. where like everyone in New York probably that year Mm -hmm. had been like telling their story and talking and talking about it a lot and being very emotional about it and like having long conversations. And Mm -hmm. by, it's like almost the equivalent, this is something Mike said to me, but almost the equivalent of like where we're at with the pandemic right now, Mm. where it's like, if we want to specifically talk about the pandemic, we can, but we can also be like, Oh yeah, the pandemic—it's really fucked people up, huh? Yeah. Moving on, yeah. You know, which yeah, is yeah, like yeah, yeah. how I felt like they were referencing 9/11, where it was like it happened, it happened, it happened. We all know it's all yeah. like a very part of the landscape right now. Yeah. But we're also like, they're all New Yorkers that have just like been yeah. living fully in it. Yeah, I think it's a year. really interesting comparison to the to the pandemic in that like it's this sort of, it's hard to like get clear of it and not be affected by and not sort of like have it have it cast this long shadow over the next it's going to cast a shadow for however many years maybe it will forever. yeah but but i think that like the problem i had with it in this movie was i wanted it to go i wanted it to continue to be threaded through it a little bit more oh. mm. and you know not to be like nitpicky but oh my gosh there's the scene with the great Philip Seymour Hoffman, mm-hmm. favorite, like one of my favorite actors of all time. Yeah. And it's Barry Pepper when, yeah. and when he's in his condo or apartment okay. or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks out at yeah. the, and it's like the music is so, it's so much mm. that yeah. I feel like it's the card trick thing where it's just mm. like, I feel like mm. I'm like, I'm like Spike Lee, you've made some of the greatest movies of all time. Like you're so great. And he's not, maybe Spike Lee is like not known for being like a subtle filmmaker. I'm not saying I need it to be subtle. It's just that like, but that in that moment, like it's like the tricks that he's using for me, like take me out of the movie oh, in a way that I was just like, I almost felt like cringy. Like I just yeah. was like, I can't. And there, but it's not just that moment. Like there's a yeah. lot of other moments um, throughout the first hour of this movie. Now, jumping ahead a little bit, I will sure. say, and maybe like, I don't know, maybe I was just having a bad night. The second hour of this movie, I was like in tears. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> he's like, a G- like everything about this. So it was like that weird experience where I really, I did really come to love the movie by the end. And I love mm. where the movie gets. Yeah. I mean, the movie in the second half kind of drops. It doesn't really bring up the 9-11 stuff again. Yeah. No. I don't think. Um, uh, when he's in his dad, like, 
during that fuck you scene in the bar, in the bar they the reference it real I think quick. that's the first half of the day. Oh, is that still the first or half? First half of the movie? Yeah, probably. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that the yeah, the book was specifically written about 9-11, so I right. think Spike Lee was just interested in... I could be wrong. I haven't read the book. I, yeah. And I but, like that they try it. It's just that the way he tries it with, like, the, you know, with that music and stuff, I'm just yeah. like, oof. Like, it's funny. It's, I don't remember yeah. the music from that scene. What I did remember, and I asked you if the editing was... Because I found the beginning editing to be an interesting choice because I think what what I interpreted the first 10 minutes of the editing where they, they like show the same shots yeah. again. Like from different like, angles. Yeah. Kind of. and I, I did not like that at all, I, by the way. Well, I, <laughs> I thought maybe either they, they had the scene and they were like, we're in trouble. This isn't a great scene. We need to do something to like up the pace. Right. Or they thought, well, this movie is mostly dialogue between sets of two people right. we need to make the beginning fast feel faster so that people will engage it and not just like turn it off or walk away right right so that particular scene uh with the the ruins of uh one of the world trade center in the background um has no cut i don't know mm -hmm. if you like it's just a one shot the, mm -hmm. the whole time mm -hmm. and uh i i don't know if i would have noticed it had it not been like such hyper editing mm -hmm. at the beginning but uh, I, it did strike me uh, that it was like that way, and it was just like letting the two actors go. But I didn't, I didn't remember the music at all from that scene. And I know that's like a weird nitpicky thing to bring up. It happens no, a no. lot, though. Like there's like the scene where you meet Philip Seymour Hoffman in the classroom. The music yeah. goes on forever. Does it? Oh. It goes on. It's like it's like a really long scene, and the music just like keeps going to the point where I was like, I just felt like I, I, I felt like I was. Um, like the movie just had all these tricks. Like it really wanted mm. to sort of like lay it on thick. And it's, I love that you're bringing it up. Like I love that you're saying the stuff that you see that's negative in it because I also think that speaks to like you know what goes into movie magic. I don't. I So I feel like I got tricked. But I, like but I, I was that, probably but, like, yeah. oh, like hearing the music but not noticing it. And like I'm like the the basic bitch that's like... No, no, I I'm don't. Fooled. I don't. Think that's, I, think, I think if it works, it's good magic. I think it's yeah. just like it did. It felt. It did feel kind of more dated to me in that mm. way. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like I can watch a movie from like, you know, the '30s, and it actually doesn't feel dated because oh. I feel like its sort of approach feels more or less like um, it lulls me in somehow. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes it's like. You know, it's like when somebody's trying so many things and I'm like, you don't, I don't want you to try all these things right now. Like you have Philip Seymour Hoffman, like teaching right. the class. Yeah. You got it. Like I'm good. Yeah. Like, um, but again, that, you know, that's me being really like nitpicky. I, I did feel like, I don't know, did, did it feel dated at all? Like aside from like the 9-11 stuff and aside yeah. from like, like did it feel dated to you guys and that like, I do feel like this is the type of movie that like doesn't get maybe, it may, they get made now, but like they don't get released in theaters and you don't have like these big, you know, top actors, like top build, like, you know, like all in one movie, I feel like in a drama like this. Yeah. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, did, did that, did it, did it stand out to you guys as feeling older? Uh, I mean, I think that the subject matter of like Philip Seymour Hoffman's relationship with the student was like something that would probably be navigated differently mm -hmm. yeah. than it would. We talked a lot about that. We did. I would say... 
And then, so like, we should talk about that one first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And also, like, or I guess we're a half hour in. Should probably describe the basic plot of this movie. Yes, yeah, <laughs> for yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. If you're a half next... hour, congratulations that you've waited this long to not know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> uh, Ed Norton is a uh, ex drug dealer, and I say ex because he was caught with uh, some heroin in his couch. And 25th hour is a reference to the idea that he is. This is his last day. Uh, before he has to go to prison. Yeah. So he's going to celebrate it with his friends and his uh, his girlfriend. And uh, he's un- he's also unclear as to who tipped off the DEA on uh, where the drugs were. And so he has an- anxieties about that. Could it be his girlfriend? Yeah. And so he's going to hang out with his two best uh, male friends, uh, which is Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's a teacher, he has a thing for one of his students, obviously inappropriate, and uh, Barry Pepper, uh, who's a uh, Wall Street guy. Uh, he, I think they introduced his scene pretty well. It was like a, a great example of like, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how trading works, just just enough that like you, you don't need to understand. And like, right. I thought it was fleshed out well. Uh, Brian Cox is also in the movie as Ed Norton's dad. Uh, he does a great job. And, uh, and yeah, I, it's basically taking us through that day with yeah. some occasional flashbacks and some, like, interesting montages um, throughout the film. And so, yeah, uh, the, the Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, storyline was definitely uh, an interesting one. And we went back and forth on would it be made today mm-hmm. slash yeah. was it handled well, you know. Yeah. And I would say... Uh, yeah, I guess we're just gonna, we're gonna have to just spoil the film. There's no way yeah, you can, spoiler, you know. Yeah, spoiler, yeah. Like, Stop whatever, it here whatever, spoiler, if you like, have it. But yeah. you know, yeah. um, <laughs> as I describe all the things and then tell you to watch it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character uh, ends up, uh, uh, you know, kissing this student Anna Paquin, and um, but after like so much, it's like. I mean, I feel like the whole way that they handled it. I don't know. It. I kept comparing it to American Beauty. In so many ways, because like, which that, like that movie was horrifying to me. Mm -hmm. I like do not like that movie. Well, that's dated for multiple reasons. At all. Well, Mm -hmm. yeah, Kevin Spacey is also, Mm -hmm. bye-bye. But like, no, that movie was just hard for me to watch, like in general. Um, But I did think that the comparison that I have for that is that in both of them, it's sort of this like awkward older man that isn't really sure how to handle it and Mm -hmm. then this younger girl that's like kind of coming on to them but like doesn't really want the whole like they just want some sort of like validation Mm. so i do think it's an interesting concept and it's like definitely a real experience like i think probably everyone has either like been in that situation in high school at some point or has seen a classmate like flirting with their teacher or like you know has has like experienced some sort of thing like that like that you can relate to yeah um probably not as many people have been in philip seymour hoffman's position but yeah i think the way they show him being like so uncomfortable and like trying to get out of it and trying to like look away and like push it all down and then, like, it all builds up to this final thing where it's, like, he's so close to, like, not screwing this up. Mm-hmm. And then, like, what does he do? Like, he follows her up the stairs and kisses her? Like, it's so crazy. Um, 
But I do think the way they told the whole storyline, like you, it gives you this whole picture of like who he is, and he's trying so hard to like do his best, and he's talking to his friend about it, and then she's really like all over him. But I like that they also show her sort of like not like oh this wasn't what I wanted to do. Like I think it really tells the whole picture really well. I was shocked by when it when it reaches its end, how much I feel like I appreciated it, if that's the right mm -hmm. word. Of all the mm -hmm. threads of this movie, and I think I'm just really biased because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. And I think also it's just different when somebody's gone and you're watching them and it's yeah. like, but I mean, any time, like the moment he showed up in this movie, even with the music driving me crazy, I was like, I would watch this guy literally do anything. And it's like, not whatever he's doing feels so, um, I don't know if like cinematic might be like an overused word, but like he can, he makes anything feel like it should be in the movie. And I feel like yeah. he also makes me, he's like one of these actors who it, it's, he's so like, you feel like you've been him at some point. Mm -hmm. He has like, I don't know what, how he did it or what he did when he was working that made it. But like, for me, it's like, I'm just really biased. I think he's like one of the all time greats. Yeah. And I was like, oh gosh, like I couldn't remember how that part of the movie went. And I think it is, it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. And totally. Yeah. He totally does screw up. But I love, I feel like the, you know, the humanity at the end of that moment of mm -hmm. like, it doesn't, you know, turn into this, like, it doesn't go to the next level. Right. Like she doesn't, she doesn't grab him and start like, then I felt like that, to me, that moment of like, oh God, this was a mistake when they kiss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, without any dialogue was so like just like two great actors working on yeah. uh, do, doing a scene that's like uncomfortable to watch. And I think now yeah. it's again, it's like really quick for people to be like, that's bad in reality. So therefore we shouldn't make movies about it. And I'm like, maybe, but it's like, to me, it's like the way that they portrayed it was incredible. I thought yeah. and I really, and I think it's just a tribute to their performances. It did make me think, I couldn't help but think about, have you guys seen, oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, I interrupted you completely. The, uh, I think that that's actually one of the sh most memorable music parts of that movie. When they have, I, I wish, oh. I, I love that song and I can't recall the name, but you know, when they they have it like the breakdown of the song happening as he's going up the stairs yeah. and after the kiss, yeah, yeah, yeah. that conveyor, which they use to great effect several yes. times yeah, in, yeah, the, yeah. in the warehouse scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that part of the, the sound. I feel like that's also an example where I feel like all of Spike Lee's tricks and his mm. like sort of boldness is working really well for yeah. me. Like all when he's doing it in the club, I'm like yeah. I, I like don't notice it. Yeah. I'm just like in the movie. Right. It's just like in the sort of first half of the movie where I felt like with those sort of like double thing of like showing the same thing and like yeah. the music and and sort of just and also some of the bigness of like the masculinity of like Barry Pepper with his ball and Edward Norman being like, I can do like there was yeah, something yeah, yeah, where yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. guys like calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um <laughs> And Philip Seymour Hoffman's like the opposite of that. Right. It's yeah, just yeah. like his energy is so, like, I just believe everything he does. Yeah. I just believe him. Even when it's like over the top, it's still so believable. Yeah, yeah. I think Anna Paquin's really good. Oh, yeah. so good. Did you guys good. see yeah. um, Margaret ever? Because it's a really strange movie. You guys, no. You guys, it's so, it's such an incredible New York movie. Oh, yeah. Kenneth Lonergan, okay. who I was not familiar with him until my friend Josh introduced me to his work. He made okay. You Can Count On Me made a movie called Margaret. I don't want to go into a tangent, but, but like yeah. seriously, like put it on your list for like the next like week or two. Nice. Sure. It's a really odd movie that it was made right around this time, mm. maybe a couple years later, and Anna Paquin is playing this character exactly, oh. but the whole movie's about her. 
Oh, and it goes to really uncomfortable places, but it's incredible. Yeah. And like, she should have won the Oscar. I mean, I think she did win for, she won when she was like, a, for the, was it the piano? She's won an Oscar. Mm. Yeah. But um, anyway, yeah, Margaret is an incredible movie. And it's really strange to see this movie after, you know, having seen that in the last 10 years and being like, oh, she's playing like the exact same character. But oh, yeah. weird. But it's just from her perspective and like. Yeah. She plays like a young high school girl in like the Upper West Side who's like, yeah getting yeah. into some trouble yeah. and it's wow. it, but it's an incredible movie and it's unlike anything i've ever seen yeah um it has i think a really good reputation amongst yeah. like movie lovers i think you guys would love it yeah. nice yeah um, it's on our list yeah i'm ready I'm there. <laughs> i mean the flip side of what i said earlier about it being a uh, a film about men's relationships is that the anna paquin and the rosario dawson character um get shortchanged in their character developments and you know that is a, I think a consequence of uh, Ed Norton's uh, speculation. He's creating distance intentionally. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's, you know, so Rosario Dawson's character is kept at arm's length maybe because he doesn't want her to waste his life, her life on him when he goes to jail uh, because he's speculating that perhaps she is the one that informed on him. Um, and an Anna Paquin's character is generally like the Lolita, kind of like a flatter yeah. character. A, I think, you know, ultimately um, it's a decision that works in the context of this film because it allows you to focus rather than being too broad. It might yeah. not work if you were trying to cover all angles. I mean, it's already two hours and 15 minutes. I also minutes. Though, think yeah. in, like, in the limited amount that those two characters are shown and developed, I do think... Like, even just the fact, just to backtrack for, like, one second, the fact that that kiss doesn't turn into more and that you see her reaction and you immediately, like, know so much about her yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Like, they could have just made it, like, a whole sex scene and then she's basically just a girl, you know? But she's, like, developed into this whole human in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And then yeah. you don't see her again. Yeah. But, like... And I think the same thing happens with uh, Rosario Dawson, where, like, the moments where she's kind of being treated poorly or treated well by some of the other people, like, you get to, like, know her so well in that. Yeah. You know, it's not, they're not just, like, objectified or something. Yeah. Like, which, like, a man's movie, you would think maybe would do that, but they really, it felt very respectful. Yeah, I think so. Even even if, like, they don't have as many minutes on camera yeah. or something. I thought the whole film, despite its runtime, felt almost like a short story. Mm. Like, the mm. way in which things are handled, it feels like I'm that everybody's trying to come to much smaller moments rather than, like, some grand cinematic experience i felt i had the, that thought where i felt like it almost was almost play like yeah like it you know what i mean where it yeah. was like the club the the apartment mm. like there weren't a lot of you know there were flashbacks uh, here and there um so okay so we've talked about hoffman we've talked about anna, anna paquin for a second edward norton <laughs> like i just mentioned like when i saw this movie i thought it was yeah. like the cool i just thought he was like the great. I just yeah, was yeah. like, this guy is yeah. gonna be like James Deeney. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, he's gonna just make like a movie a year, and they're gonna be great, and he's always gonna work with like the best directors. And you know, I haven't like he. I don't know. He like he's been in movies, but I feel like he sort of has done less, or I haven't seen you know yeah. a bunch of. And I was struck by his energy. Like mm -hmm. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Yeah. And when this movie started, I was struck by his energy, and I was. It took me a while to settle into what he was doing. Right. I was a little bit like, 
do you know how like, it's like when you listen to a, a, a an album that you loved in high school and you're, and you're like this is my favorite band and you hear it later and you're like yes. oh you're like, yeah it kind of had that vibe to me oh interesting I, I was like this is big and he's he's clearly doing his thing and he's clearly like not trying to be too much of somebody else I feel mm. like he's just being him but there's something about I think it's a little bit of like again that first hour of the movie like it opens with him finding this dog and he immediately takes the dog in and to me it just feels like it's again like the magic trick is too too much showiness but yeah. i'm like i get it like he's like a drug dealer with a heart of gold <laughs> but, I, but i was really and, and in a weird way like that made me feel like the movie felt kind of dated in a yeah. 2002 way where it was like this hollywood movie about a difficult adult subject of you know a guy getting ready to go to prison but it still had to sort of like it did all this sort of like hollywood sort of like cute moments to try to make sure that like you were in the pocket for this guy. Mm. Mm. And I didn't remember that about the movie. And I really didn't like it this time. Yeah. And I Aww. and his performance in the first half of the movie and Barry Peppers just felt to me like a little bit like the best way I can describe it. And maybe again, maybe I was just in a really bad mood. Yeah. And again, I like this movie. And by the time I finished it, I was like, this movie's great. I was like crying. It's right. great. Yeah. That's like I guess so the magic trick ultimately does work. But like <laughs> At the first half, I was like, it reminded me of like an SNL sketch. Mm. Like him and oh, Barry wow. Pepper and what they were doing. I don't know. Maybe I'm being way too mean. Well, what but were like, the really scenes? What was the first hour? Are you saying them separately what they were doing? Yeah. I yeah. just felt like, because even like with Rosario Dawson, when yeah. he comes in and he's like, I can't talk right now, baby. Like, I was right. just like, well, this is like so crazy. Like, this yeah, is yeah. like, they sh it just felt like too, too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. And once they get to the club, yeah. Something changed. And again, this is where I did the second night. But once right. they get in the club, like I felt like I was just like all the stuff that Spike Lee is doing as a filmmaker there, like it just makes sense mm -hmm. to me because they're in a club and yeah. people are, it's, and you've been with them and you kind of know what the stakes are. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to think about, the, you know, j j just the fact that like Spike Lee is making this movie right. about, you know, a predominantly white group of, of characters. Yeah. And... Like and and then the interview that comes up, I feel yeah. like very sort of like not so subtly with Charlie Roseworth. They're like people say this one, you're uh, trying yeah. something different. Yeah. And it's like, and I I think it's like it's great, but it's it's just like it is a sort of thing where I think like that's probably like I said that was asked on the interview, and I was like, oh that they wouldn't ask that question. Like I was frustrated for Spike Lee that yes. he had to answer that question. Yeah, and he answered it with like a degree of grace. And then actually at the end of the interview, Edward Norton brought it back and like kind of defended Spike yes. Lee. Yeah, I yeah. was wondering what oh, energy was going on between Ed Norton and Spike Lee, because certainly they, you know, they have a working background at that point. Like if he was like, this is Spike being vulnerable, I need to defend him mm. or something. But it was, it was kind of an, it, it was like a, it was a coded question. Like what, so you're working asked, with oh, white actors different. now, and oh. people are saying you're like you grow in this role or something. You know, like that was essentially with it. And I don't think yeah. I, I don't think Charlie Rose meant anything by it necessarily, but it was clearly one of these things where like wasn't the greatest question. And Spike Lee was like, well, you know, I don't think I'm doing anything new, but I also try and do new things in every film. Sure. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm sorry. No, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just really curious how you, if you guys were on board with like what Norton was doing from the beginning, because that was like the, yeah. the number one thing I think. And then I promise I'll not talk about the first hour anymore. Or talk That's about, okay. But it's just like that. There was something so, like, um, you know, it's like it's like when you when you see somebody and they're doing a lot. I don't know. I can't explain. It's, just it's like over like, overacting or over. 
I think it's not even so much that he was. It's just like the fact that I guess the script feels the need to be like, and he also loves dogs. Oh, I got it. You know it. what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, to to the point where like, it, it kind of like wants to. I don't know if it wants to have it both ways, but it's like he is a heroin dealer and yeah. he's ruined people's lives. But it's like I think it really quickly wants to get into like, but he's really. I mean, look at him. Like he's so good. Yeah. He's Edward Norton. Right. And I just felt like it just felt really. Hollywood. It felt really Hollywood, like not in, in a way that was like sort of, um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I think I have. Some, I'll let you go first of what you felt about it. I, I mean, I guess I feel like I come at it from a different perspective because it's the first time I've seen it, and I'm actually not super familiar with Edward Norton. Um, this is like a weird fun fact, but <laughs> until maybe about five years ago, anytime anyone said Edward Norton, I pictured the husband of the, like, you know, in the Honeymooners, there's that other couple yeah. that hangs out with Alice and um, the main you guy. You thought that was Edward Norton? Art Carney. He thought Art Carney was Edward That's Norton. awesome. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, what if Art Carney had been in this movie as, as, the, as, as the guy? And everyone, like, talks about Edward Norton as this, like, really attractive, yeah, yeah, yeah. like... You're like, really? All right. Like what are you into? <laughs> and I'm also like, why is everyone such a big fan of, like, the husband... The other husband from the honeymoon. Oh so anyway, yeah. I come from like a very fresh perspective. Um, and I guess it just didn't bother me, but probably because I like have no yeah. concept of like really who this is or and I was I was I think the biggest thing is I was just trying to figure out like I knew the plot of the movie. Yeah. Because we were obviously doing this walk related right. to it. Right. Um so I was trying to like figure out where we were in time like you know it started with the dog thing and then it went to him on the bench and some guy coming up to him and wanting to buy heroin mm -hmm. and him saying no and i was like oh is that going to be the guy that's going to rat him out like i didn't mm. know where we were in time yet so yeah, i was yeah, like yeah. i think i was just more trying to figure out the plot i didn't really pick up on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all the development that was happening yeah. i also just like I loved that he got the dog, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good dog. Yeah. Yeah. I I think this is uh, parallel to what you're saying. I'm not sure if it entirely addresses it. But something that I was struck by through the course of the film, and uh, would definitely be evident in the first hour of the film, is I'm thinking about, like, myself in relation to time in relation to the age of these characters mm. and in relation to the, actually the prison length mm -hmm. the term mm -hmm. seven years mm -hmm. and like as we were watching the movie you know because now we're, we can do this you know i pull up imdb and i'm like i want to know how their ages right the old uh, philip seymour hoffman was the oldest at 35 oh. and it, and then barry pepper i think was 32 and Edward norm was 31 maybe or something wow. and I, you know I'm older than all three of those people. Right. And, but they, it's kind of like, I always, I always think of Friends too. Like right. every, the show Friends, everybody's always going to be older than me. Right. doesn't matter how old I get, <laughs> right, they're right, still going right. to be older than right. me. And similarly, these guys seem like older than me mm -hmm. and they're not. They're mm -hmm. younger than me. And then seven, yeah. like the context of what seven years means, it was really an interesting length of time to choose for prison. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, uh, Seven years is a long time, mm -hmm. but seven years isn't a long time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he'll still be, if he is in fact the age he is, mm -hmm. in the, he'll still be in his 30s when he gets out of prison, right. you know? Yeah, and yeah. so uh, I guess what 
uh, when you were talking about like listening to an album from high school, mm-hmm. that was I felt some of that too in the the energy that they were they were bringing and he was bringing to his roles like not now babe or whatever I'm going to yeah. say like it was definitely it felt like an energy that was younger than I am right yet these characters are still older than me which is kind of be like you know <laughs> older in my head what you know? you're saying though totally saying. makes sense to me that especially the moment you picked out where he's like not now I can't talk to you now baby I'm like it's your last day on earth I said what to Jesse it's talk? very frustrating yeah. that like I can't imagine I don't know. I would. I don't know if I would. This would not be the night I would choose for the last night if if I'm going to be with. But he, you know, he, it does it work in the context of the film because he's all fucked up with trying to distance himself. You know. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. That bothered you a lot. I think that we're talking about like she wants to go take a bath, right? And he's like, no, no, no. I thought I like thought that was great because mm-hmm. again, I was like so confused where he was. He was like. No, 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 I don't want to. And then they cut to a bath scene. And I'm like, mm-hmm. are we an hour forward in time? Mm-hmm. Is this like I thought for a while that we were an hour forward in time until the DEA agent arrives. Mm-hmm. And then I finally I was like, oh, wait, this is a flashback. This is the thing. Like, mm-hmm. so I was interesting, like all those. I don't know. I guess I just was thinking about that little brooding moment. It was like a good it felt like a good trick to like it tricked me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, guess is all it is. I think it, I think it worked <laughs> in the context of the film, like mechanically. Yeah. I think it worked, but the behavior itself is not something that I could relate to. Mm. Is what I was saying. Like that would not be how I would go about things necessarily. Yeah, and so, and that that struck me more as like a product of like age for mm. me, even though it worked for the film. Mm. Um, and so yeah, I think that there is a there is a lot of stuff that it is. It is like the the man school of acting thing that's happening in the first hour, I think. I mean, it's funny you brought up the DEA uh, agents in yeah. that scene. Like, that was another one where it was just like, oh, my gosh. I was like, why is he doing it like they this? They were one? so annoying. Oh, I thought those scenes were great. <laughs> I, I like those scenes. It's just like it's just like when he's like, when he goes, shit. shit. You're like, that's a meme. I don't know if you've ever seen it online. Oh, it's like a, it's a minor meme. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Isaiah Whitlock. Uh, yeah, he was great in both scenes. Yeah. I, I also, I, I mean, I also thought it was interesting, like, uh, I took it from the lens of Spike Lee where it's yeah. like role reversal, like right, these right, 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 two right, right, uh, right. black men, like, right. interrogating this white, uh, you know, mm. drug dealer. And then that tertiary white guy that was just, he was literally there for window dressing. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that at all, but that's a really good point. I was thinking, I was more like, wow, this is interestingly, like, super anti-cop. Mm. Like, really progressive. (laughs) That was what I thought. But, like, also done in, like, a really cartoony way where it's, like, they're just annoying characters that, like, can't just, like, do their job. I did see this comment on this, uh, on Letterboxd, somebody had written about this movie. And I have to bring it up because it's super awkward, a hard thing to talk about. But somebody wrote something along the lines of, like, it's interesting how much this movie you know, the, a huge energy behind this movie is is the idea of the fear of like prison rape. Oh, I was I literally Mike was going to talk about that. This that too. Was, I was yeah. going to actually bring it up. And that's great. Go on. To the point where, again, like I almost feel like because of the behavior and some of the acting around it, it almost becomes a little bit SNL mm. sketch like because mm-hmm. yeah, they yeah. do it mm-hmm. so many times to yeah. the point where it's almost like I get it. I know, and I'm not saying like I don't want to hear. It's just, it's just the way it's portrayed by some, like especially with like, 
Like, it's like, there's like, I don't, like, if you, like, take a drink every time somebody mentions getting raped in prison in this movie, right. that you'd first hour would be drunk. really, you'd be super trash. I'd feel That's like how true. I felt uh, today walking a marathon. <laughs> yes, yes, and it's like, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just the way that, it's almost like, I wish, like, what would have happened if, you know, whatever, Hoffman was playing the, the, the Barry Pepper role or something. I feel mm. like then I would probably, it's just like, there's just this yeah. sort of, like, this sort of, like, sinking their teeth into it as an actor type thing that just feels cringy. And yeah, like, oh, totally. And not because of the subject matter, because of the way it's it's being like performed. Mm. It just feels very like, um, uh, you know, like if you, you've ever seen like a high school play, you know, and they're doing like Death of a Salesman, and you're like, this is ambitious. Right. But then it's like, if you get somebody, and, and that those plays can be great, but it's like, you know what I mean? If you have somebody doing the breakdown scene like way too much, the yeah, whole, yeah. everyone in the audience is just trying to be kind of polite a yeah, little bit. That's yeah. how I felt during some of the moments in this film. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah, there are several things about that. I, I said to Jesse, I think, we talk about how films age, mm-hmm. I think that's going to, that whole concept is going to age worse than even like the student-teacher relationship uh, as years go by. And I already feel like it's, it's uh, not appropriate insofar as like we're starting as a society to turn our consciousness towards the idea that like hey this is supposed to be rehabilitative prison's mm-hmm. not supposed to be like punitive mm-hmm. and to talk about things this way i think it was done in the film because there's not like um you think about drama and things that motivate uh, characters and motivate plot forward and you need you need something that's like the big bad thing to mm-hmm. to like why why should we care you know and so the movie so confidently goes after this idea that prison is a terrible place where mm-hmm. you're going to get raped and there are sexual predators in there and you better not be pretty because like and mm-hmm. it just goes so it's so confident in that perspective. How From multiple characters. Yeah, yeah. like multiple. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that it I mean, have I been in prison? No. Uh, I've uh, heard of people's perspectives from coming out of prison. Uh, and among those perspectives is the idea that, like, yeah, there are people that are gay and they're they're in relationships and that's their business. I haven't had any experience having to deal with that. I'm sure there are also people that have been raped in prison, you know. Mm-hmm. But it it didn't take any time to think about the, the kaleidoscope of possible outcomes that prison could provide. Right. It really just sunk its teeth into the fact that it's a terrible place. And that motivates... Barry Pepper beating Edward Norton up at the like it it just it it is the engine for so many of the points of the mm. movie, yeah, yeah, particularly yeah. in a movie that is so dialogue heavy. Mm. It needs a boogeyman in order to motivate things, and uh, I think ultimately um, that will probably age more poorly. I I hope it ages more poorly mm. as we as a society like figure out how our you know rehabilitation system should work, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be like. Um, we are going to scare people into staying in line by saying that uh, you're you you follow the law or you're going to get raped. You know, yeah. like that's crazy. Well, I hope I made this comparison that I thought was kind of um, nice. I hope that it becomes really like a terrible thing to hear about because I think at the moment, like our concept of what prison is is so unknown. Like either. You maybe you've been there and then you tell a story, but then your story is just it gets filtered in and people believe it or they don't. But if you've never been there, it's like the equivalent of dying and going to hell. Mm. So like 
that's a different thing because you're not going to come back and tell people like how that was. But it's like it's this completely unknown, like behind a curtain, you're going to go there and you, who knows what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And like that's really not how it should be. Mm -hmm. And so I really like I really hope that, yeah, the way they portray prison in this movie does become something that's like cringy or worse for people mm -hmm. in the future because I think right now still it's like they're showing character development with like all these people that are either like building up the story of how crazy prison is or they're just really really scared mm -hmm. just like people are like really really scared to like die and potentially go to hell and like mm -hmm. that's a thing the church yeah. uses hell the same way that our legal system uses prison to keep people in line. Yeah. And like, I'd love for like, obviously hell, we're never gonna know. We can't figure that one out. We can't like open that curtain and have people see what it's really like if it exists, whatever. But like prison, like we can, like yeah. we could know for real, like what people experience and like yeah. make it a better system. It doesn't have to be a hellish concept. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure in 2002, like, statistically like they you could probably they could probably prove like that there's a lot of terrible sexual assault in prisons and like i'm sure there's a lot of other things to be horrified of in prisons still and you know but to me it's just that the fact that the movie feels the need to bring it up so many times to an almost comical level it's yeah. also like it literally feels like they're like I don't know if having fun with it is the right word, but they literally use it as, like you said, Mike, a boogeyman yeah. in a way that it just feels like in bad taste. Yeah. Not even to like 20 years later, but just even then, like just as a storytelling tool. Like it yeah. just feels a little bit like um, too much. And I think, you know, it's probably annoying to go back and look at like a, a filmmaker's like other works, and, like masterpieces, but like Do the Right Thing, I think, is like the one that like everyone knows. And, or, mm -hmm. and it's like, I've, I've, you know, seen it a couple of times, and I got to see it at BAM a couple of years ago, and it's like that movie is so, uh, like, I don't like perfect is one word, but also like it has so much humanity in it. It has so mm -hmm. much like even like the sound, like everyone you kind of like, it's just it's a complicated movie, and nothing mm -hmm. is sort of like simple, and you know, I mean, it's I I, I maybe. Maybe I'm not choosing the right words by saying it's not simple, but it's like it has so much nuance and complexity in it with all the human mm. characters. And I feel yeah. like it's just strange to see then Spike Lee make a movie in 2002 or 2003 where it's like, you better watch it where they bring it. Right. Like, it just feels like a different director. Like and sometimes yeah. it happens to me with filmmakers that I love and I, fo I start following them where it's like you kind of see them get the keys to the kingdom and maybe they're just in a hurry or maybe they have to like make the movie quick and they don't have enough yeah. time to like really like get in there. And, and figure out the, the script exactly how they want it. But it feels to me like maybe it's one of those instances with him where he's yeah. just sort of like, I gotta hurry here, I, I wanna do this movie and like everyone's available right now. So they maybe didn't have a time, but, and then it wasn't until they were, you know, right. made the movie and we're like, yeah. man, we really, we accidentally had them talk about this a lot. Maybe that was a little bit. Right. I don't know, it seems like, for me, it seems like this is what they wanted to do. Like it, yeah. it seems, the movie expresses it so confidently. Mm. Uh, I, I think that, it is the engine of the film. Mm -hmm. So like one way or another, like you're either on board that all of the characters actually believe this. Like yeah, yeah, Jesse yeah. made a good point when we were talking about it where it's like, it doesn't really matter if it's 
if that's what prison is or is not. Mm -hmm. Edward Norton certainly believes that that's what prison is. Right. So yeah. he is motivating, all of his decisions are motivated on that idea. So yeah. if you are able to go along with that, yeah. then, then you can go along with the movie. So I, I know we're jumping around in this movie a yeah, lot, but course. then going toward the end, yeah. Yeah. in the second half of this movie, I found the end incredibly moving. Oh my God, yeah. I was sobbing. Now, yeah. and it's because of that moment under the bridge. And mm. like, I think it still works regardless of if it's about like, he needs to get, you know, like made ugly because of the sexual assault. Like it's like, it's like I think that I can go with like this idea of like, it's pretty extreme. And well, it's, I think it's really about Barry Pepper being frustrated with his basic right, brother right. fucking up his life, yeah. right, right, and right. like yeah. them, and like also... men having getting it, getting out their emotions in the way that a right. man in two thousand two yeah. can, yeah. you know. And I think also like yeah, the Edward Norton character is saying you know like oh you have to make me ugly, but I also wondered if like he's been brooding this whole time he clearly like hates himself he's going mm -hmm. to prison some mm -hmm. bad things might happen in prison whatever you know that's what everyone's saying but also like this is a thing he can control he can get physically like the shit beat out of him mm -hmm. right now by someone that he cares about and mm -hmm. like that could be this like weird catharsis for him of like this is what i deserve and like this is my punishment and i'm mm -hmm. just gonna like i need to like take it and like feel like i'm ready to like flip the switch and be the next step. I like that. And Spike Lee possibly utilizing the fight club energy as well. Oh, yeah, you know, like yeah. taking an actor's credits yeah. and bringing them to bear in, yeah. in, in future projects. Jesse, I got goosebumps though hearing you describe it like that. I do think, I, th I mean like for all the things, all the trash I'm talking about this movie, like I was so, I was like, very moved by that and I was yeah. I was blown away by it. I was blown away by like how well it works and even then it's like, even then it's still pretty like, over the top, but it's like oh, everything yeah. at that point was working for me. I think it's like, you know, um, I mean, the, when he when he starts it by by uh, hitting Philip Seymour oh, Hoffman, I like know. the whole thing about dog barking, yeah. like oh it's God. it's so. I mean, yeah. Um, and it's funny, Mike, when I was telling you about my friend growing up when we saw it, like that was the moment that I think really mm. sunk him. Yeah. And I think there's something really, I don't know. It's like. There's something very uh, like primal about that scene. There's something very like childlike about it. I think. I mean, I like the thing that I was struck by this time is how once it's done, the way that Barry Pepper cries. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's very much like the way that like a little boy, but like he's really. I, I don't totally. know. It's really an incredible. Yeah. It's almost like. All the stuff I complain about, complain about in this movie, it's like it's worth it to get to that ending. Like yeah. that, to, yeah. to me, like that, I was I was very um, blown away by it. And um, what, what happened to Barry Pepper? What happened, it, Mike? You as a as an actor? Yeah. Oh. He he had a run up until two thousand seven or two thousand eight. I mean, he still acts, yeah. but like that, his prime was like the. I, Early 2000s. He was He's in, in the Green Mile. Private well. Ryan? Is he in I, Saving I believe Private Ryan? Oh, is he? I, I might be wrong. I don't know. In his IMDb, you know, they have like notes. It's yeah, like yeah. known as the actor that cries in movies. Oh, no. Like oh. that's for, you know. And uh, he chews gum. He yeah. sounds like a gum chewer. Yeah. His, uh, <laughs> totally. He grew up. And stares at women anytime they walk by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get that. He, uh, he grew up uh, sailing with his family for like three years. Like, oh, that interesting. Was in his life. Huh. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a very strong actor. Maybe he'll, hopefully, he'll make a. Some sort of 
yeah. career yeah. renaissance. Uh, and I mean, I'm, hopefully he already has a, a successful career. I just, yeah, I haven't seen him a lot recently. I mean, it's weird because I feel like I just spent like an hour complaining about like him in the beginning of this movie. But then I'm like, but the best thing about the movie is... <laughs> I mean, but it's, um, it's yeah. I mean, I mean I he plays a di- uh, what uh, was generally kind of a distasteful character in contemporary society, which is yeah. kind of like, he's like the red pill... Alpha male, right, you know, right, right. like type the, character. The ninety nine percentile. Yes, yeah. I mean, I like the I I like those series of scenes between him and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. There's like mm-hmm. three. Oh my god! In the, I guess in the first One hour, of my in the middle. Ones. I don't know if I should think this is funny. I don't know. Maybe this is inappropriate. But when Philip Seymour Hoffman tells the story about Terry, the biology teacher. Oh, oh yeah. It's, yeah. Like, yeah. It's just the way that that yeah. he yeah. does it. When he's yeah. like, I have this this guy, yeah. right? Terry. I love that his uh, the, the the name is Terry, and he's a biology teacher. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then that the the Wall Street guy is just like he like sees through it. Doesn't even yeah. doesn't even play along like yeah, at yeah. all. Yeah. 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 What's so yeah, what's so great about Philip Seymour Hoffman's role in this is like you watch and you're like if you if this is the only movie you've ever seen with him, you're like, Oh, this is this must be all he can do, right? You know, like yeah. he just so mm. is that character, but you yeah. watch any of the other movies and you know that he can go anywhere else on totally. the spectrum. But like he's just so pathetic really i mean even like in the he's in the teacher's lounge when he's in you know that's interaction towards the beginning of the film when it's him and anna pequin this is he has all of the chips everything is in his and he can't even uh have a conversation where he is wielding his authority in a way that's anyway appropriate you know it's he's just pathetic from the get you know Mm. um and yeah pathetic but like relatable like, that's the thing that he does that I don't yeah, understand. Yeah. Like, even when he's, you know what I mean? Like, he's always, I always feel like there's something that feels so, um, yeah, relatable. Yeah. Like yeah. It, every movie I've ever seen. And I feel like I've seen most of his, his stuff in movies. So yeah. Well, in this one, it's like, I can't relate to being a teacher and being attracted to my student or being like, having any of that particular issue. Yeah. But I can definitely relate to being in situations where I'm uncomfortable and like I can relate to feeling kind of like torn between like should I do this thing I want to do when I know it's bad like and I think he just like pulls out every like inner human quality that like I don't even know how to put into words or like don't even necessarily know that I'm feeling when I am feeling those things but it or like can't even necessarily point to like a specific time For when sure. I felt those things, but I'm just like, oh, wow, I'm like there with you, man. Like this, yeah, like this is a weird feeling and like it's something we somehow can relate to. I think he's good at like, yeah, doing uncomfortable work and then like yeah. finding, you know, cause it's like the thing I find relatable about him is his sort of like, in this movie, it's just like his sort of reluctance to even want to go out on the town with these guys in the first place, but the sense of responsibility and commitment to his friends. Right. And like he takes the dog. I don't know. There's just a lot about uh, the way he just he does everything that I just think is. Yeah. yeah. And so the they talk about in the Charlie Rose interview to a degree, and, and it informed my viewing of it, the idea of... Uh, I think I think they also reference do the right thing as doing this. Perhaps I'm wrong, but the idea that you're not giving the audience full resolution, mm-hmm. which might be something that you typically get in Hollywood films, like tell me how to think about this. Do I feel good? Do I feel bad about this? And uh, each character has, or the three men characters, uh, and I guess Anna Paquin's character to some capacity, um, we're given a stopping point. 
and then we're chosen, we get uh, our own interpretation of it. We'll get to the Edward Norton one last because I, I want to talk about the ending ending at some point. Mm. Uh, but we have Barry Pepper's end, right? Which it's unclear if it's that same night or not. Mm. It, yeah. it, it probably is. He's sitting on a park bench. He's sitting yeah. on the same bench that they were all were and he's looking out. And, you know, you think to yourself, like, how is this night going to change him? Is it going to change him? Jesse and I talked about it. We didn't think his life was going to change. Like, uh, the trajectory of his thing seems to be, like, he probably has these moments of, like, kind of existential uncertainty. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's smart at, like, some type of irregularity. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem like he has the wherewithal or isn't provided it in the film to escape. Like, mm-hmm. he'll probably be further up the Wall Street food chain in seven years mm-hmm. when uh, the prison term would be over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with Edward Norton's, you can get to it in a minute. I mean, the, uh, the Anna Paquin character, she has kind of, like, punctured reality in a mm-hmm. way where it's like she, even though she was, she, she's, like, has a sense of her own sexuality... But Philip Seymour Hoffman seems like this, you know, pole she can kind of like, you know, skip around and like mm-hmm. it's not going to it's not going to change. And then it does change. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa, I can change the institutions. Like, what am I going to do with that energy? Right. Philip Seymour Hoffman is, you know, uh, committed sexual assault on a on, on a 17 year old. I don't I don't know if that's exactly the terminology that we right. would use there, but he committed certainly in the eyes of society and in the eyes of the law, something that is not appropriate. Uh, and then uh, he's in a new set of clothes. He's walking the dog. It might be the same day. It might be a new day. And then the uh, a woman runs by and goes, cool dog. <laughs> and then he's like, cool dog. Like, this is what I should have been doing this whole time. Yeah. Right, and then, right. but, Meeting older ladies yeah, yeah. with a cool dog. Yeah. Right. But that is the closest, I, I'd say, in the film we get to... Uh, the the film's opinion, the director's opinion, you know, telling us what we should think about the this character yeah. past that he might potentially and, uh, change and directions. Rosario Dawson, I think she's just like her last scene. She's just at the door when the I, that's him, why I didn't even reference her. She's yeah. yeah. I kind of just thought of it when you were talking about it. Yeah. it's kind of shocking that like yeah. Well, her we last scene in reality oh, right, is at right, the right, door right, giving right, her giving right. him the ice. Right. Yeah. There is the second but we montage. we do have that, right. yeah. yeah. But, yeah, uh, we don't Yeah, we don't know exactly what's going to happen to her. And yeah, I mean, and they see, you know, you see them interacting, and he's saying, like, don't wait around for me. Right. I don't want you, you know, and she's like, I want to. So right. that's, like, it, right. it's unclear what's going to happen, I mean, but it's also kind of not that, like, interesting necessarily. I don't know. Because, like, I, probably she's going to visit him mm. e- either for the next seven years, and they're going to figure that out, or like a shorter time and they're not going to figure that out and she's yeah. going to move on. Like that seems like, eh. For that, the the Rosario Dawson thing, I actually, it's, I'm a little, like I don't even want to think a little bit too much into it, which is right. interesting because he he pours the ice out. Yeah. Right. And for me, that that's the only thing we have to go on, right. which would suggest to me that like they're like, yeah. They're done. Which... But it's kind of not up to him. If she comes to visit him, she comes, you know, it's like he's not, he might not come back to visit her, but he's not going to come back to visit her anyway. Like they, well, seven years. Maybe like, if he, if he's like non-communicative needs, and whatever, yeah. then, then it just dies out yeah. as a natural uh, consequence, I guess. Because I would like them, I, I do feel like I want them to succeed. 
Which is funny because, I mean, another thing the film does with the relationship uh, of the of the students is show that he picked her up on a playground when she was 18. Like, that is part yeah, of yeah, Philip yeah. Seymour. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman calls it out explicitly. Like, yeah. well, Natural and, uh, and Monty, they were, yeah. you know, they in a few years, she'll be... 22 and I'll be whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. Like, Although the age difference between Natural and Monty is like maybe five to ten years in that range. And the age difference between Philip Seymour Hoffman and Anna Paquin is like 15 years and like at least. And she's still in high school. And, you know, there's like so many things that are just I certainly different. wouldn't argue with you on any of that. But the idea is that like. That is a th- the 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 characters make the parallel, and yes. we are. I mean, the 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 meet up, meeting scene that they have is played in a very sweet way. Yeah, and it, it's confusing in a way because it's like, ah, is this appropriate? I don't There's know. There's one other thing I do want to say about that that I thought yeah. was interesting is that the guy who's going to prison for the big drug thing is the guy that made the correct decision about waiting with the girl whereas like the sort of like sweetest character that you like feel the worst like most pathetic character would like never do anything wrong kind of guy is the one that did like the worst thing with the young girl like predator behavior yeah. you know and i thought that was like an e- an interesting like equalization like leveling of the playing fields where mm-hmm. it's like Maybe like okay, my, they're all just like everyone's just so good and bad mm-hmm. in like all of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so to to get back to what I was saying about like except for those Russian guys, those guys were bad. Oh my god! News. I'm sorry, I just remembered. Yeah, yeah. Them. I, we, yeah. yeah, we haven't even addressed that whole scene. That's like a crazy scene. I didn't know yeah. they were there in the club. <laughs> Again, though, like. I don't know. A little bit of an SNL vibe to a me. A little much. Like, it was you know, a little hammy. A little I over the top. Monty, about the time. I can't even do it. I yeah, can't yeah, even yeah. Do yeah. It. yeah. It's yeah. just like, it was like, uh, I was like, is this a Spike Lee movie? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, you, when it they, was a little over the top. It was framed top, yeah. really interestingly because yeah. there was the two guys there when he's giving his speech. There's the mob boss yeah. and then this Let's this, just say secondhand this man. Who says clever things? Yeah, or yeah. Whatever. yeah. But like, I almost thought. I told Jesse. I thought that the secondhand guy was explicitly in the frame to make the primary guy look more Russian. Right. Because he was like <laughs> so Russian looking. The right, guy. It was right, like, right, oh, right, well, right. It, it like adds to the believability of the situation to just have that guy standing there. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's the same. I mean, it is that. It is that macho energy. Like, mm-hmm. this is serious. Beat up the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, did he give the advice to beat up the guy? No, they beat him up. No, no, no. Like, I, no, oh. like, like when when you go to prison, pick out the guy. Oh, he was did. He, he did. He, he yeah, was, it was like, the Russian yeah, guy yeah, yeah, that was yeah. like, look for the weakest. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've been to prison three in three different countries. Yes, I, I go tattooed to prison survive every like, year yeah. just to make myself more tough. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that I, that is like the 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 bro energy that I you know that is in the film. Mm-hmm. That uh, I don't know. I mean, I I also wonder if that part of the reason that energy is in the film is to justify uh, having these other conversations too, where it's mm. like it, it allows uh, men to have feeling moments mm. because we also like do this, like this is the John Wayne, you know, mm-hmm. stuff yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like also it's kind of cinematic and Hollywoody, you know. Yeah. Well, it's also, I mean, I guess that's what related like all the way back and then we can jump forward again, but uh, a flashback um, to like that idea of it feeling a little dated. Like it also, 
makes it you're like oh did martin scorsese come in and like help with this part like it feels very like (laughs) mobster like de niro pesci vibes too where it's like i love those movies but it's like oh come on like it's so over the top and like this is what this is and this is what this is yeah it's like it's scorsese i think it's a really interesting comparison his work with spike lee's is there's these like two really you know incredible New York filmmakers, right? Mm-hmm. You have these who've made these, who've made several, what I think a lot of people would be, say like our masterpieces, but the masterpieces tend to be earlier, right? Mm-hmm. At least depending on who you talk to. But I think that there's like amongst like, you know, cinephiles, you're not going to get a lot of argument about like Raging Bull and Taxi Driver or, or you know, mm-hmm. or, or like do the right thing or she's got to have it, you know, with mm-hmm. Spike Lee where it's like, but I feel like it's funny that the, the scene we're talking about feels like to me like something out of The Departed, which is a movie right. like I only saw once, but I just didn't. I was like, "What?" I was like, "I was like, what are you doing? Like, you're the best at this. Like, why are you doing this version? Of it? Like, this right. feels like you have like one week to make like a TV movie, right. and everyone like loved, and it won like Best yeah. Picture. I yeah, was like, yeah. "What happened?" Right. Yeah. And I feel like this movie has a little bit of that energy to me at times, mm. yeah. where it's like, it's like you're Spike Lee, you can, you're so good at this, but it's like it has these scenes that just feel a little bit like phoned in isn't the right word because they work and they're good but it's yeah. just like it could just work so much better I think you could have that exact same scene with the Russian guys it's just that like you know it just doesn't have a lot of his fingerprint on it right. it just feels a little bit more generic-y like a little bit more yeah. stuff like bringing that guy who plays the bad guy in the yeah like following HBO a basic show. blueprint or something like which yeah. is good and it's gonna work but it's yeah. like yeah not sort of like all the creative touches that maybe you might want yeah so can i jump forward because i since you yes. saw it for the first time yeah. the ending ending oh. like the very yeah, yeah, ending yeah. which is oh another God. i think one of the best parts of this movie yeah so yeah. jesse were you like i want to know what was going through your mind watching it for the first time because i kind yeah. of when i was seeing it this time i remembered my sort of confusion and sort of like excitement over this part of the movie exact that's exactly what it was i was like the, that whole time Do you i was describe like the ending for, oh yeah for okay like, so the ending right is that um Monty's going to prison and Edward Norton and his dad comes to pick him up and they he insists on driving him and they get to that part of the city where um, you're up like in Harlem and you could turn over the George Washington Bridge and go to New Jersey or you could keep going straight. They were going to go on the Palisades, I think, and like go up to the prison must have been upstate somewhere. Mm-hmm. And his dad is like, you know what? Say the word. I'll turn left. And then it cuts to this montage where he has turned left and they are driving across the country. They're in all these small towns. It describes this whole scene where like he's going to start a new life for himself and talking about how people only get caught when they come back, not when they run away. So like this opportunity to like go, not go to prison. Um, it would mean he'd have to say goodbye to his dad. Like, they'd never see each other Great again. Great VO work by Brian Cox as oh, well. Oh, yeah, Brian Cox. Yeah. Every man, woman, and oh. child should see the desert. Or yeah. something. He has yeah, yeah, yeah. something like yeah. that. I know we'll meet again, not on this earth. But oh, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, like just. Oh, my God, I mean, yeah. there's, it's, I think it, it's kind of uh, almost kind of under, like, he's not hamming it. It's just like everything works, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, so I think the first... 30 seconds to minute because how long is that montage like 10 minutes no maybe? no it's four four minutes four. okay so then the first 30 seconds to 45 seconds i was like oh he's giving an idea and they're probably not going to do this mm. and then i was like oh wait 
they made this choice. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. And then I'm so- I was like mm-hmm. sobbing. <laughs> it was a very wet face. Um, because I was like, oh, my God, he's never going to see his dad again. And like those two men that we just like are his best friends. Like he's never going to have friends like that again. Like they're not even friends anymore, but they've known each other since childhood and they still got together. Like he's never going to get to do this again. Yeah. And he's going to, you know, and Natural wasn't there. And so I was like, oh, my God. But then she shows up and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, and then I'm nervous that like, oh, are they, but the, did they follow her? So there were like so many. I was like, this is beautiful, but so sad. Yeah. And and like, because also I think they show his face healing. Yeah. And I think when they start to show his face healing is yeah. when I was like, oh, my God, they actually yeah. did this. It's a good detail. Yeah. Yeah. But before that. That, yeah, that must have been it because up until that point, I was like, oh, it's just imaginary. Right. So then I don't remember how that montage actually ends. I guess it's when Natural comes. Oh, and mm-hmm. they're with the family. He you has a like family really now. You see him like he's like 80 years old he's, and yeah. his children are like 25. <laughs> right, yeah. right. He has like 10 kids yeah, yeah, and they're yeah, like, they're, yeah. he's telling the story of yeah. like him yeah. getting in trouble and like not going, right, not going to prison. Yeah. And then you cut back to him in the car. Yeah. And it was like, oh my God. Like that, I was just like, oh shit. So he didn't do all that. And yeah. then I don't know, I felt very conflicted because I realized then I'm like, okay, well, we know where he's going. Mm-hmm. Obviously he had three choices and he didn't take two of them. And so he's taking the third one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, that wasn't, that was like, it's a pretty intense ending. Andy's yeah. asleep in the car, Andy's which I think is kind of makes it seem like it could either be like, I do think you could read it both ways. I do think you could read it as like he said, yes, dad, let's fucking get out of here. Mm. And he's sleeping on the way out. Or you could be it as like, oh, he's just dreaming. Oh, interesting. What, I mean, I think, you know, it's but I do think you could read it either way. I don't Maybe know. he's dreaming. I mean, they definitely got on the Palisades. They didn't go over the GW. That's the the detail that at the very oh, end, after they show him sleeping, they yeah. do show them on oh. a highway, and it's definitely a highway in New York. It's not a highway in New Jersey. Yeah, I again, it was like the scene with under the bridge. I was so blown away by it this time. I just yeah. was like, oh god, I thought I was going to be able to be like, this movie doesn't work. But it's just by the time they're doing all that stuff, it's just like, yeah, really yeah. Ugh. It feels to me, like I said earlier about the idea that the movie feels like a short story to me, mm. it feels like this type of film allows it, like it has a, a couple of like really big tricks in it, the fuck New York montage and this New York montage, or this mm. montage, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you wouldn't probably put that in other films. It's like a little more experimental. Right. It's, it's very it's very much like what Spike Lee, I think, is doing, what he does so well in both those moments. And I th- feel like both these moments are similar. Like the yeah. fuck mm. you yeah. sequence and this sequence at the end almost feel like the, sequ- the sequence at the end can almost be read as a fuck you to the audience where it's like, oh, you want your happy ending? Right. You want your happy ending? Come here. Like, I'll yeah. do the whole thing. Totally. They're going to be dressed in all white at the end with like 10 children around. Right. All of it. Yeah, it's like yeah. so absurd. I mean, it, it is interesting. The end sequence almost gets comical. Like it's, but it starts mm-hmm. really kind of subtle. Like it starts with like the bruises healing. So you're totally. like, maybe this is happening. Yeah, yeah. And it really does. It's really strange for a movie that's so sad and morose and heavy mm-hmm. how i do feel like he kind of like hides in a little bit of like winkiness like when natural gets off the bus and the bus pulls away yeah. she does the thing where like her like knee is up like yeah, it's this yeah, sort yeah, of like yeah, i don't yeah. even know what you call that but it's yeah, like yeah. something you would see from like 
the 50s. Right. right. And it's got this sort of, like, and, it's like, and I think like Edward Norton's wearing a cowboy hat. Right. And he has like a mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it almost seems like they're farting around a little bit yeah, at yeah. times being like, this will be funny, right? Totally. Yeah. And like kind of writing that line of like, but I also think there's something so, because the movie is so heavy and sad, you, we want it to be real. Yeah. So you're sort of like wrestling with like, I was really, I don't know, I was really, um, that this whole section of the movie to me was just like, just, I was in love with. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, and yeah, you know, back to the idea that this, uh, the consequences of prison, the, the, like, the hell that is prison that the movie presents um, is if you are buying into the movie, then this is like the heaven. I mean, like the last scene where they're all in white yeah. and it's like kind of like Vaseline lens. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. literally the alternative to everything you are about to experience. Right. And so, I mean, if it, that's the interesting dichotomy of heaven and hell, regardless, is that it's like so, so much black and so much white that right. like uh, it, you kind of can you if you are going to spend an entire film creating this boogeyman, then you have the opportunity to create this ultimate catharsis experience, mm, too. That's true. The ultimate opposite. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I never have really... I've never really thought about whether or not he does it or not. Mm. I mean, I've, I guess I just always think about... They're just always still driving. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, it's mm -hmm. like it just never... It, it's just a situation of perpetual, like, you know in the process of deciding. Yeah. I don't think he it's ever so interesting. Prison. Yeah, I'm like convinced that they went to prison because of the road that they happen to be driving. Like, I know that road. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who says that road doesn't also lead to a desert? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it just goes north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe like Nova Scotia or something. Yeah. Um, there is a great, the, you know, the Brian Cox voiceover there, though, at the end, like he does, even though it's like this sort of the last thing you see in the montage is very sort of comical where it's like, you know, old age makeup where Edward Norton and Rosario Dawson right. are like old. Even though it's like kind of a funny image in that moment, I think the voiceover in that part is like, Brian Cox says something like, make sure to tell them like, how like how this almost didn't happen or something or how lucky how, they are yeah, to yeah. be there. Yeah, and yeah. that is like, again, another goosebump moment of this yeah. movie of like this sort of universal truth of like, we all just even as human beings to even exist at all. Like, because our parents got together you know what i mean like right. there's something really profound about that statement under this sort of comical image and then backing up into this last image of him driving in a car it's, there's a lot of like ping-ponging emotion going on that i think is so it's crazy that it works it's yeah. really yeah. weird like yeah. when, you, when we talk about it you're like this shouldn't work like right. this will be like this will be stupid it right? sounds cheesy it sounds, it sounds like it should be cheesy it like but it was like stuff. not yeah. at all yeah. yeah yeah also a minor mechanical film point uh, which we referenced at the very beginning of this episode the idea of uh, the characters from the fuck new york uh, sequence precede oh, yeah. this immediately which is great because it gets you as the film goer back into the idea that like oh we're gonna do this type of thing again yeah you know we're gonna we're gonna revisit the montage idea right and uh yeah for all like the idea is that all these people that edward norton's mirror character denigrated are now outside of his window and smiling at him yeah. and you know, showing him some sort of grace despite the fact that he did not show them any. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to remember this for the end because I yeah. do feel like that did totally change the way I felt about that whole sequence and in a lot mm. of ways the whole movie. I felt like that, it's so, it sounds so simple but it's like, to me it reminds me of the feeling of, you know, if you've ever had like 
a complicated relationship with a family member where you like might be really angry at them or not want to be around them. Or, and so you can have this intense, almost like hatred at times mm-hmm. of somebody like that. But then maybe when it's time to leave or if they if they pass away or they die and then all of a sudden you're like you, you look at them differently. It's almost mm. like you're like, oh, God, no, I don't want to leave yet. And to me, I felt like it was that's how I read that moment is like oh, he was like, you know, fuck all these list every, you know, uh, minority and in, in, in neighborhood like list all, everything in New York. Right. Which on just watching that by itself, you're like, well, Jesus, you know, yeah. but then it's like. At the end, and it's all silent, but it's like he's got this bruised face. He's going to fucking prison. He's sitting in this car looking out the window miserably, and he's seeing all these people that make up this city that he's, that he's, that he's, that he's you know, going to miss and, and, and maybe never get to come back to. You know, like I think there's something really um, – it's just one of those, I think, examples of something where it's like, yes, this is uncomfortable and maybe – Maybe it is bad. I don't know. Maybe that sequence is bad. Maybe we, you know, but but it's like there's something about it in, in the long form of like a two-hour movie where the ideas circle back and they're complicated and there yeah. there's something to me about it that really made it click into place and not in a simple way, not in like a, anyone says anything. It's just it's all visual and it's yeah. just like um, you know, I was thinking though to kind of make fun of it. You know, they, I did notice they only they only do a couple of different people. Like, right. yeah. can you imagine if like the Benson Hurst guys were like, ah! you know, like <laughs> right, if right. they really if he kept in the Upper East Side, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and the and the you know, um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird movie. I I'm really glad that we got to talk about it and that I got to revisit it because I was like not sure in the first hour. I was like, <laughs> but then you know, it's a strange thing like to have your to have such an intense, you know, flip. Yeah. Um, well, it's an, it's uh, uncommon to do multiple viewings of a film too. So oh, yeah. it's interesting. I wonder how if you would have retained those feelings through the entire movie if you didn't. Oh have yeah, the break, if you hadn't. Stopped or if you and... developed those yeah. feelings in the interim. You know. Mm-hmm. I really think once the movie moves to the club, it feels yeah. like it's a Spike Lee movie in a way that, yeah. like, and when I say Spike Lee movie, I don't mean like he's doing camera tricks and stuff. Although, yeah. although he is, it's more that like I feel like the humanity in it just feels more like earned or something yeah. i just feel like um you know yeah i just i like once they get to the club interesting several things about the club uh was one it's in dumbo oh yeah which oh, like yeah. we were we were saying like i guess that's just an error we weren't familiar with like yeah. dumbo club right now it's all like you know right. Yeah. She she shops. You Although know. in two thousand two or three, man, can you imagine? I'm it sure, probably. I'm sure yeah. Dumbo yeah, yeah, was yeah, like. Yeah, totally. That's why it just yeah. became yeah, a part yeah, of yeah. our experience. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, two for a, a you know it was a fifteen million dollar budget, which is for all the stars that are in there pretty low. Um, and I think they utilize that warehouse to go to like a half hour, oh, yeah. forty minutes is just in like this one warehouse, right. which yeah. is just a series of like small locations. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there was a third thing. I forgot what it was. But uh, yeah, I think that was a that was a good location to do. Oh, I guess the third thing I was going to say is like, I don't know if you were a Game of Thrones fan at all, if you watched any of it or not. Mm. But I never saw it. Yeah, it for me, I saw the echoes of what Game of Thrones was when it was at its most successful before it kind of, you know, in the eyes of pop culture, collapsed under the weight of its own expectations. Mm. But uh, a lot of what Game of Thrones was, aside from, like, I mean, it's also like nudity right. and excessive violence. But right. most of the episodes uh, were two people talking and like doing it in a clever way and mm. just like finding, advancing the plot through like uh, two people talking. And this was 
the prototype for that. Mm. And uh, yeah. And, and Benioff wrote for that show? He, he was mm-hmm. he was one of the show runners. Okay. Him and uh, David Weiss and David Benioff, they they were the Game of Thrones masters. Yeah, I totally didn't know that. When yeah. you said that earlier, I was like, wait, what? Because yeah. I heard the the novelist, uh, yeah. George, what was the guy? The guy George R.R. Martin, George, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? Uh, I was like, when George R.R. R. Martin wrote 25th Hour, I was like, wait, what? No, no, no. <laughs> no he wrote, <laughs> he wrote 25th Hour, yeah. then he wrote some other books. Yeah, yeah. Benioff, uh, the, the briefest of backgrounds for it, he wrote the 25th Hour book for his grad school thesis. Oh, wow. wow. And then his agent was also Spike Lee's agent. And Toby oh, Maguire weird. read the book and then said he wanted to get this produced. And then, yeah. It's... My wife, when we were watching the movie, Amory said, she, when the credits came up, she was like, Toby Maguire. And I think I said something like, well, you know, it could be a different Toby Maguire. And she was like, how many Toby Maguire's are there in Hollywood? And that I'm was like, Spider-Man money. Yeah. That was, oh, you Toby know... Maguire's Spider-Man? Well, yeah. he was back then. Oh, he was in the Sam I, Raimi Spider-Man. I thought he was a baseball player. I love stuff like that. <laughs> he sounds like a baseball Art, player. He probably, like yeah, was... he's probably been in a baseball movie. Art Carney and Tony Gwynn. <laughs> yes. Sexy art journey, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, I love that. I love that, yeah, Tobey Maguire would be like, would read this book and yeah. be like, yeah, I'll put some of my money behind this and get this movie made. Yeah. yeah. But for uh, but for any fans of the Game of Thrones there, I would be interested to hear people's feedback on yeah. whether or not there's something there that, you know, mirrors Game of Thrones. Because for me, it did. That's what, when I think of Game of Thrones working successfully, I think of Peter Dinklage you know, having clever dialogue with, yeah. like, one of the other Kit, Kit Harrington yeah. or something, you know. Well, are, are people threatened with, like, prison stuff in the Game of Thrones? Because no, it no, seems like no. that would be a good, like, you know, if you go to this Game of Thrones prison, there's some, there's yeah. some crazy dragon shit in there. <laughs> you don't even want to know what that guy There might be, and I forgot it. I mean, there, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That's really cool, though. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, I think we should uh, we should wrap this one up though. This is great. This yeah, is man. so thanks, fun. Thanks yeah. so much for coming on. No, I love talking about this stuff as you can probably tell. Yeah. This is really cool for me to get to get to sit down with you guys yeah. and talk about a movie. Well, I mean, yeah, we had a couple hours to talk about it and then you brought like so much more insight into it. Yeah. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you guys. It was really fun to rewatch it. Like I said, I had like really this really fond memory of seeing it with yeah. my friends. So it was really it's a movie that I've always wanted to revisit. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like, if I hadn't watched it to, to do this with you guys, I have a feeling I would have gotten around to it at some point again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this was a really special way to get to dive yeah. back into it. Yeah. It's really cool. So thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing it. Yeah, of course. Okay, thanks so much for joining us. We hope you had as much fun listening to us talk to James as we had talking to James. Yeah, and if you did, you can press that little like button. And if you are watching this and you've never watched something before or you've watched a few and you haven't really committed yet and you're ready to commit, you can hit subscribe and commit. And if you have anything to say, you can type it in the comments. And I hope we see you again. We're almost at the end. That's right. Just three more weeks of walking. It's crazy. We're getting into June now. Yeah. Didn't know it was going to happen, but here we are. Yeah. It's happening. It's happening. So until next time, take care. Bye-bye.